in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Uh, last time uh, we studied uh, in Second Kings chapters uh, 17, uh, 17 and 18, uh, and uh, we ended with the part where, um, so, so what we covered last time was the end of the northern kingdom. So remember, Israel was divided into the northern kingdom and southern kingdom. The northern kingdom uh, was taken into exile, and so they taken captive and never returned. And King Hezekiah is now the king of the southern kingdom, Judah in the south. Um, and so the Assyrians, who are the ones who attacked the northern kingdom, are now also coming to attack the southern kingdom. And there was um, a, a person called the Rapshika, which is like a, the, a, a title, um, one of the officers of the Assyrian army, was coming to Jerusalem in order to uh, wage war and to intimidate um, the, the, the Israelites um, so that they would give in and surrender to him. Um, and after he gave this long intimidating speech, he gave the king Hezekiah um, the opportunity to, um, to decide <coughs> what is it that he wants to do. So because kind of everything we're going to discuss in the next two chapters is based on uh, what, what, this, uh, what was happening, I want to read again what we covered uh, last time in chapter 18, which is just the part speaking about this intimidating speech that Rapshika is saying to um, the people. It says, Then the Rapshika said to them, Say now to Hezekiah, Thus says the great king, the king of Assyria, What confidence is this in which you trust? You speak of having plans and power for war, but they are mere words. In whom do you trust that you rebel against me? Now look, you are trusting in the staff of this broken reed, Egypt, on which if a man leans, it will go into his hand and pierce it. So is Pharaoh king of Egypt to all who trust in him. So he said, you can't rely on other nations like the Egyptians to come and s deliver you from um, the Assyrians. But if you say to me, we trust in the Lord our God, is it not he whose high places and whose altars Hezekiah has taken away? And said to Judah and Jerusalem, you shall worship before this altar in Jerusalem. So he's, he's, he's telling them, has, he's, he's, he's trying to appeal to the people. And he's saying, Hezekiah removed the high places. The high places were actually places of pagan worship, not places of the worship of God. And Hezekiah, by removing the high places, he actually did something that God wanted him to do. But the Rapshika is coming to the people and he's saying, look, Hezekiah is removing the places of worship. So your God is not going to be like favoring him. So again, it's more intimidation. Oh, it's not, it's not on the screen. Yeah, sorry. Okay. Um, where were we? Now, therefore, I urge you, give a pledge to my master, the king of Assyria, and I will give you 2,000 horses, if you are able on your part to put riders on them. How then will you repel one captain of the least of my master's ser servants and put your trust in Egypt for chariots and horsemen? Have I now come up without the Lord against this place to destroy it? The Lord said to me, go up against this land and destroy it. So first, he's now offering um, like a bribe. He's saying, I will give you horses. Um, uh, if you if you surrender, and then he is saying, 
actually God is the one who told me to come and to destroy you. Because he knew actually that um, God wanted the northern kingdom to be destroyed as a result of their sin. Because they had lived in sin and, and uh, idol worship for so long and they didn't repent. God allowed them to be destroyed and he used the Assyrians as the means by which they would be taken captive. So he's saying, I'm actually the messenger of God coming to destroy you. Which of course it wasn't the case. Um, but that's he's saying that to intimidate them. Then Eliakim, the son of Hilkiah, Shibna, and Joah said to the Rapshika, Please speak to your servants in Aramaic, for we understand it, and do not speak to us in Hebrew in the hearing of the people who are on the wall. So as we said last time, um, Aramaic was the international language, and, and all like the, the deliberations and like the, the, the political negotiations would be done in Aramaic. But the Rapshika was speaking in Hebrew because he was wanting the common people who were gathered in that place to hear. Because he was, he was telling them to intimidate them so that they would rise up against King Hezekiah and, and overthrow him out of fear for what is it the Rapshika is threatening to do. So that's why they were speaking in Hebrew. And, and so the leaders of Israel who were there representing the king, listening to what the Rapshika was saying, was telling them speak in, 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 in Aramaic because they were worried that the people are going to hear all of this and be intimidated. But the Rapshika said to them, Has my master sent me to your master and to you to speak these words and not to the men who sit on the wall who will eat and drink their own waste with you? Meaning, I want them to hear because they're the ones who will suffer when the Assyrians come and take them over. Then the Rapshika stood and called out with a loud voice in Hebrew and spoke, saying, Hear the word of the great king, the king of Assyria. Thus says the king, Do not let Hezekiah deceive you, for he shall not be able to deliver you from his hand. Nor let Hezekiah make you trust in the Lord, saying, The Lord will surely deliver us. This city shall not be given into the hand of the king of Assyria. So don't trust in Hezekiah. And when he tells you that God will deliver us, do not trust him. Do not listen to Hezekiah. For thus says the king of Assyria, Make peace with me by a present and come out to me. And every one of you eat from his own vine, and every one from his own fig tree, and every one of you who uh, drink the, wafer, the waters of his own cistern, until I come and take you away to a land like your own land, a land of grain and new wine, a land of bread and vineyards, a land of olive groves and honey, that you may live and not die. But do not listen to Hezekiah, lest he persuade you, saying, The Lord will deliver us. So now he's offering them. He's saying, If you come with us willingly to Assyria, each of you will have his own land, will have his own vineyard, will have his own fig tree, will have all of this abundance. Don't listen to Hezekiah, who is telling you that the Lord will deliver us. Has any of the gods of the nations at all delivered its land from the hand of the king of Assyria? Where are the gods of Hamath and Arpad? Where are the gods of Sephraveim and Hina and Iva? Indeed, have they delivered Samaria from my hand? Who among all the gods of the lands have delivered their countries from my hand that the Lord shall deliver Jerusalem from my hand? So he's saying all of the other nations that the Assyrians have conquered, they all had their own gods, and none of those gods were able to save those people from the Assyrians. So he's saying, why do you think that your god is going to be the one who is able to deliver you? But the people held their peace and answered him not a word, for the king's commandment was, do not answer him. Then Eliakim, the son of Hilkiah, who was over the household, Shebna the scribe, and Joah the son of Asaph, the recorder, came to Hezekiah with their clothes torn and told him the words of the Rapshakah. So the three representatives who heard all of this that the Rapshakah was saying and intimidating them and the people, they now came to Hezekiah, the king, and they are presenting to him everything that has happened. And now we're going to see what is it that Hezekiah is going to do. 
And so it was, when King Hezekiah heard it, that he tore his clothes, covered himself with sackcloth, and went into the house of the Lord. So being overwhelmed and without any recourse, because Israel had no military power in order to defend against the Assyrians, Hezekiah turned to God, and um, he went into the house of the Lord, and he saw that no one else could help him, only God could help. Right. So his, his first uh, recourse is, uh, he went he went into the house of the Lord to pray and to ask and to supplicate God for his help. And so God allowed this trial, and oftentimes in our own life, God allows trials um, to, to make us turn to him and see that he is the only one who can help us. There is nothing in, our, in ourselves that we are able to do to help ourselves. Then he sent Eliakim, who was over the household, Shebna the scribe, and the elders of the priest, covered with sackcloth, to Isaiah the prophet, the son of Amos. So this, again, is the period of time where Isaiah the prophet is ministering. Okay, um, His ministry started in the year that King Azariah died, who was a, who was a previous king. Um, when King Azariah died, this is when um, Isaiah became a prophet and began to minister. Um, and that was 40 years ago. So Isaiah the prophet, he started in 740 B.C., and he prophesied, um, he's been now 40 years prophesying, and he prophesied in the days of Azariah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah. Those are the four kings that, um, were that, that Isaiah was a contemporary of. So Isaiah, being there, okay, they, he, uh, uh, he sent Eliakim and, and, sh and uh, Shibna the scribe and the elders of the priests to Isaiah the prophet to, to hear from him what is it that God will say. And they said to him, Thus says Hezekiah, This day is a day of trouble and rebuke and blasphemy, for the children have come to birth, but there is no strength to bring them forth. Right. So, so they recognize that this is a very dire situation, and they re realize that they are, because they say it's a day of trouble, and it says, and rebuke, right? because they understand that God is the one who's actually rebuking them for their sin. Um, and by allowing the Assyrians to come and to threaten them in this way. And it's a day of blasphemy because the enemies of God are blaspheming him. Okay, And then he says, for the children have come to birth, but there is no strength to bring them forth. What does it mean? So the, the kingdom of Judah had already made some headway in repelling the attacks of the Syrians prior to this. So the Assyrians had tried to uh, attack them. Um, the king had offered them tribute, and they had won for themselves some peace for a time. So that was what he's considering here. The children have come to birth, meaning they started out okay with the Assyrians, like they, they were able to, to negotiate and to deal with the Assyrians initially, but there is now no strength to continue. Like there's no strength to complete the, the peace. There's no way for them now to save themselves. Even though they made a good start, they're not able to continue. It may be that the Lord your God will hear all the words of the Rabshakeh, whom his master, the king of Assyria, has sent to reproach the living God, and will rebuke the words which the Lord your God has heard. Therefore, lift up your prayer for the remnant that is left. Okay, so again, they're speaking to Isaiah the prophet, okay, and um, they see that the threat against them is actually a threat against God, right? So that's why he's saying, um, like, like uh, has sent to reproach the living God, meaning even though, yes, this is an attack on us, but because we are the children of God, right, then the attack is on God himself, okay? And it's a blasphemy against him as to say that the God of Judah will not be able to deliver them from the hand of the Assyrians. So, so as much as, you know, we are the ones who suffer because of the trials that we experience, okay, but 
But we should also remember that any attack that Satan does against us is really an attack against God because Satan doesn't care about us. He cares about hurting God. He cares about destroying God. Of course, he can't destroy God, but all he can do is hurt his children. This is what he desires. So, so, so here the, the people are coming and saying, whatever it is that, that the Assyrians are doing against us, they're actually doing it against you. Okay? Like a person who attacks the child is attacking the parents. Okay? You don't attack the child only. You attack the child and then you attack the parents through the child. In Zechariah 2 verse 8, it says, For thus says the Lord of hosts, He sent me after glory to the nations which plunder you. For he who touches you touches the apple of his eye. Meaning the apple of his eye, like the, the, the part of his eye, of course the eye is very sensitive. So he's saying anyone who touches you, anyone who harms you, it's like they are harming my eye. Right? Like that's how God sees like how much he cares for and protects and loves his children, that anyone who harms you is harming me. Okay? And, and so here he's saying, therefore lift up your prayer for the remnant that is left. Who is the remnant? Well, the remnant is the tribe of Judah because all of the other tribes, the northern tribes and the northern kingdom have already been taken captive. Okay? And all that's left is the kingdom of Judah and the south. So that is the remnant, the remnant of the people who have not already gone to exile. So the servants of King Hezekiah came to Isaiah, and Isaiah said to them, Thus you shall say to your master, Thus says the Lord, Do not be afraid of the words which you have heard, with which the servants of the king of Assyria have blasphemed me. Okay, so Isaiah is assuring the messengers that everything that they have heard from the Rapshakah are empty threats. Right? Just like the devil, he tries to frighten us and to tell us that he's going to do things that he can actually has no authority to do, to make us just afraid of the future or afraid of all the possibilities of things that can happen, even things that will never happen. Okay? Um, so, for instance, he might make us feel like resisting sin is useless and pointless, that the battle is too strong for us, that we will never overcome. Or he might like always make us obsessed with the things that are our greatest fears so that we remain paralyzed, unable to function, always worrying, worrying about things that could potentially happen, not willing to take any risks, not willing to do anything because we are afraid. Okay? So here... Um, he's saying, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid of the threats that, um, that the Rapshaka, who is, of course, representing here the Satan, um, what is it he is saying? Surely I will send a spirit upon him, and he shall hear a rumor and return to his own land, and I will cause him to fall by the sword in his own land. Okay, so Isaiah now is telling what is it that God is going to do. And he says four warnings. Okay, the first is, God will send a spirit that will disturb him. That's the first thing he says. The second, okay, is that he is going to hear uh, a rumor or, or it's going to be he's going to hear this horrible news that is going to happen and actually his entire army is going to be killed, okay? Um, that We'll see that happening. Um, also, he is going to return to his own land in defeat, okay, which is a defeat like he's never experienced before and he will fall by the sword, Okay, so not as a hero in battle, but he is going to fall um, at the hand of his own sons, the king of Assyria, we're going to see. So God is, like, has an answer for everything. Everything that they came with, worried about, of how is it they're going to survive and live and so on, and how they're going to repel this attack, God is going to intervene, and he's telling them exactly what is going to happen. Then the Rapshaka returned, returned to Assyria, and found the king of Assyria warring against Libna, for he had heard that he had departed from Lachish, and the king heard concerning Terhaka, king of Ethiopia. Look, he has come out to make war with you. 
So he again sent messengers to Hezekiah saying. So the Rabshakeh, when he returned, he found Assyria had already gone to war against another uh, nation or city-state called Libna that is west of Israel. Also, uh, Ethiopia was planning to war against Assyria as well. So when it said earlier that there was a spirit, um, here when it said, uh, uh, surely I will send a spirit upon him, okay? The spirit here is the, the, the news that, okay? Oh, where are we? The news that um, Ethiopia was planning to war against Assyria. So there is now these distractions, like instead of Assyria setting its sights on conquering Judah, now there's these other distractions. It's already gone to war against this other nation, Libna. Um, there's another nation, Ethiopia, which is now planning to attack them as well. Thus you shall speak to Hezekiah, king of Judah, saying, Do not let your God, in whom you trust, deceive you, saying, Jerusalem shall not be given into the hand of the king of Assyria. Look, you have heard what the kings of Assyria have done to all the land. So this is, this is a second wave of threats that's come against um, uh, Jerusalem. Jerusalem shall not be given into the hand of the king of Assyria. Look, you have heard what the kings of Assyria have done to all lands by utterly destroying them. And shall you be delivered? Have the gods of the nations delivered those whom my fathers have destroyed, Gozan and Haran and uh, Rezef, and the people of Eden who are in Telassar? Where is the king of Hamath, the king of Arpad, the king of the city of Sephraveim, Hina and Iva? So again, more threats like before. And again, saying all of the gods of all of these other people were not able to save them. And so he's kind of repeating the same thing that the Rapshak had said at the beginning. And Hezekiah received the letter from the hand of the messengers and read it. And Hezekiah went up to the house of the Lord and spread it before the Lord. He took the letter, okay, and he put it in the house of the Lord for God to see. Okay, so of course God saw. He didn't need to, 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 to see the letter because he already knew. Okay, but this is like demonstrating, uh, Hezekiah is demonstrating like a, an act of faith by bringing the whole matter to God. So he's like saying, God, all of this, everything written here, I, 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 can't, I can't handle it. I don't know what to do with it. You are the only one who can do it. This is very similar how like when people will come and put, um, will put prayer requests uh, on the altar, right, during the liturgy. They're like saying they, w they have this problem and they're wanting God to take care of it. They put it on the altar. Um, and offer this prayer to God in faith, believing that God can do something. Then Hezekiah prayed before the Lord and said, O Lord God of Israel, the one who dwells between the cherubim, you are God, you alone, of all the kingdoms of the earth, you have made heaven and earth. Okay, so Hezekiah begins this prayer, okay, and he starts the prayer by identifying who it is he's talking to. He says, O Lord God of Israel, the one who dwells between the cherubim, Right, he is he is affirming the majesty, the glory, and the power of God, the one who made heaven and earth, the one, um, the the even the one who who made Assyria, the the God of everyone, right? Not just the God of Israel, but the God of everyone. By remembering who God is, he is preparing, like in his faith, in his prayer, that he is going to ask for something, believing and knowing that God is capable, and God is compassionate, and God is is able to do what is it that he's asking him to do. Incline your ear, O Lord, and hear. Open your eyes, O Lord, and see, and hear the words of Sennacherib, which he has sent to reproach the living gods. Remember, Sennacherib is the, um, is the king of Assyria. So he's saying these words that have come, right? Incline your ear. What does it mean when he says incline your ear? He's saying he's asking God to listen to the cries of his heart 
that maybe no words are able to express. You know, sometimes we have such uh, pain and, and distress that we come to God with them and there's words cannot even express how is it that we are feeling. Like, like we, are, we are too much in distress. No one can understand and we can't even formulate the words in order to even pray, right? But God knows them, okay? God knows. Actually, in Romans 8, 26, it says, Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses, for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Meaning, meaning the the Holy Spirit, God Himself, is 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 listening to to our prayer, even the things that we cannot speak. God is is hearing. So He's saying, incline your ear, like incline your ear to our request, to our prayer, to our agony, to our misery, to our distress, to our fear, and and all of this, right, that is coming upon us. Truly, Lord, the kings of Assyria have laid waste the nations and their lands and have cast their gods into the fire. For they were not gods, but the work of men's hands, wood and stone. Therefore, they destroyed them. Okay. So here he's saying um, the, 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 like the Assyrians, as they have gone and conquered all of these people, right? They have destroyed their idols because they were not gods. Like he's, he's the, the nations or the Assyrians were saying, uh, your God cannot deliver you just as all the gods of these other nations were not able to deliver them, right? So he's saying, surely they have laid waste to all of these nations and their lands. They have cast their gods into the fire. They were not gods, but the work of men's hands, meaning you, God, who are the true and real God, are not going to be laid waste the same way that all of these other, um, all of these other gods have been destroyed. Now, therefore, O Lord, our God, I pray, save us from his hand that all the kingdoms of the earth may know that you are the Lord God, you alone, right? So th the salvation that he is asking for, the salvation of Judah, um, would not only save the people of Judah, the Israelites, but would prove to all the world the power of God, right? So that God's name would be known on all the earth, so that all the kings of the earth may know that you are the Lord God. So it is for the sake of their own salvation, but it's also for the sake of glorifying God, whom everyone will know was able to stand against the attack of the Assyrians, which were a very, very powerful and mighty nation. Then Isaiah, the son of Amos, sent to Hezekiah, saying, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, Because you have prayed to me against Sennacherib, king of Assyria, I have heard. Right, so remember, Hezekiah it went to the house of the Lord, and he offered this prayer. Okay? God made it known to Isaiah the prophet that Hezekiah had prayed, and that he heard the prayer and that God was going to deliver them. Okay, so Isaiah is coming and he's saying, God heard your prayer. Because you have prayed, you, God has heard your prayer and will deliver you. This is the word which the Lord has spoken concerning him. The virgin, the daughter of Zion, has despised you, laughed you to scorn. The daughter of Jerusalem has shaken her head behind your back. So who, who, what is he saying here? So here God is speaking to the enemies of Israel. He's speaking to the Assyrians, okay? And he's speaking about his own children. And how is he speaking about his own children, the Israelites? He's saying about them, they are the virgin daughter of Zion. This is how he is speaking about them, right? And they have despised you, laughed you to scorn, the daughter of Jer Jerusalem, okay? So even though what we see all the time when God is speaking to his people, he is rebuking them. He's telling them that you are doing evil and that you are not doing what you should be doing. And he's trying to correct them and improve them and all of these things. But when he comes to speak to the other nations about his children, 
he speaks to them in these like words of of love and and he's proud of them and words of affirmation and words of kindness like like as a as a father who is proud of their children um the zion the, the virgin daughter of zion right so it shows that even though we we sin and god wants us to change our ways and to be to be corrected and and he does rebuke and chastise us but at the same time he is he's he wants us to to grow because of his love for us he loves us and he, we we identify as his children we we are his children even when we sin and even when we go astray whom have you reproached and blasphemed against whom have you raised your voice and lifted up your eyes on high against the holy one of israel meaning again like when you come and you fight against us you are actually fighting against god right and this is you you will not win because you are fighting against him by your messengers you have reproached the lord and said by the multitude of the mountains to the limits of lebanon i will cut down its tall cedars and its choice cypress trees i will enter the extremity of its borders to its fruitful forest i have dug and drunk strange water and with the soles of my feet i have dried up all the brooks of defense so he's he's mocking like god is mocking the assyrians and they're all of their empty threats he's saying you are proud of yourself because of all of your accomplishments of war your 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 accomplishments of conquering Lebanon of cutting its trees of pillaging the land and its resources and you are making all of these threats on the Israelites as well right um claiming that now they're going to dry up all of the waters and the rivers and do all this um and they are coming to do the same with Judah right so so he is he th this is what they are claiming did you not hear long ago how i made it god is speaking to them did you not hear long ago how i made it from ancient times that i formed it now I have brought it to pass that you should be for crushing fortified cities into heaps of ruins. Therefore their inhabitants had little power. They were dismayed and confounded. They were as the grass of the field and the green herb, as the grass on the housetops and grain blighted before it's grown. But I know your dwelling place, your going out and your coming in, and your rage against me. Because your rage against me and your tumult, have come up to my ears therefore i will put my hook in your nose and my bridle in your lips and i will turn you back by the way which you came so god rebukes them the assyrians and he's saying don't you know that i am the one who created all these things like all these things that you are uh, proud of yourself because you have been able to conquer and subdue and all of this i'm the one who created all of these things i have power over all of the creation why do you think that you can stand up against me okay and the assyrians are like the grass of the field which is easily trampled on and burned and of no consequence compared to him. So he will therefore do what? Put a hook in their nose. And he says, I will put a hook in your nose and bridle their lips. Right? This is the same way that the Assyrians, what they did to humiliate their own captives. They would get like the slaves. They would put a hook in their nose and bridle their lips so that they would not be able to speak and they, they would be humiliated as slaves. So God is saying to, to, to the Assyrians, right? I will do so to you right you are the one who's going to be humiliated before me Th this shall be a sign to you you shall eat this year such as grows of itself and in the second year what springs from the same also in the third year sow and reap plant vineyards and eat the fruit of them so god is speaking now to the israelites he's saying the sign that you are going to be uh, made victorious and that the assyrians are not going to harm you is that this year you're going to reap the harvest you will eat you will eat this year such as grows of itself and the second year what springs from the same and the third year so and reap so like for 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 several years 
you are going to be living as normal and, and your life will be unchanged and you're going to uh, reap and sow and do all these things just as you have before. You are not going to be conquered or destroyed the way that the Assyrians are threatening you. And the remnant who have escaped of the house of Judah shall take again root downward and bear fruit upward. So again, the remnant are the remaining people in Judah. Um, and 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 they are going to take root downward, meaning they're going to plant roots and bear fruit upward, meaning no one is going to uproot them, right? No one is going to take them captive as the northern kingdom of Israel was taken. For out of Jerusalem shall go a remnant, and those who escape from Mount Zion, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Therefore, thus says the Lord concerning the king of Assyria, he shall not come into, into this city, nor shoot an arrow there, nor come before it with shield, nor build a siege mound against it. By the way that he came, by the same shall he return, and he shall not come into the city, says the Lord. For I will defend the city to save it for my own sake and for my servant David's sake. So God is giving a promise to defend Judah. He's saying, just as they came, so also they will leave and they will not harm you. And it came to pass on a certain night, that the angel of the Lord went out and killed in the camp of the Assyrians 185,000. And when people arose early in the morning, there, there were the corpses all dead. So Sennacherib king of Assyria departed and went away, returned home, and remained at Nineveh. Nineveh was the capital of Assyria. And so you see the way even that God conquered the Assyrians, it was completely miraculous. Like there was no... The, 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 there was something that no human could have done. Hezekiah couldn't have done. No other nation could have done. He simply sent a spirit to destroy 185,000 of the army. And when the uh, Assyrian, the, rema the remaining Assyrian army, when they woke in the morning and they saw that all these people were dead, they just left. They couldn't. They, they weren't going to continue the war. Um, so they left and they returned home again. Now it came to pass as he was worshiping in the temple of Nisroch his god, that his sons, Adramelech and Cherazar, struck him down with the sword, and they escaped into the land of Ararat. Then Esarhaddon his son reigned in his place. So even the king, we already read about how the army was destroyed, and now the king himself is killed, and he is killed by his own sons. Okay? Again, none of this could have happened uh, through any human means. Okay, so that was the end of the war and how God saved Judah from the Assyrians. Chapter 20 is a shorter chapter focusing all on an illness that came upon King Hezekiah and, and what happened with this illness. So it says, In those days Hezekiah was sick and near death. And Isaiah the prophet, the son of Amos, went to him and said to him, Thus says the Lord, Set your house in order, for you shall die and not live. Then he turned his face toward the wall and prayed to the Lord, saying, Remember now, O Lord, I pray, how I have walked before you in truth and with a loyal heart and have done what is good in your sight. And Hezekiah wept bitterly. Right, so he was uh, older and sick and about to die, and Hezekiah was sad. You know, one thing to always remember about the Old Testament is they didn't have the hope of the resurrection like what we have now. Um, for them, uh, death was the end. They didn't understand what was to come after death. They called it Sheol, Hades, 
Um, it was not a place of joy. It was not a place of hopeful expectation. It was not a place for the reuniting with God. It was not none of that. It was just a place that people didn't want to go, right? So the idea of death was very painful. Um, not to say that it's not painful for us um, when someone dies, but but you know we can understand death through the lens of the resurrection and believing that a person will rise again and who continues to live. Yes. Based on that, what made people in Old Testament, someone like King Hezekiah or other good people, if they, there's no hope, why they walked in, in the way of the Lord? Well, they were obedient to God. I mean, they believed in God. They believed that God would bless them. <coughs> but they didn't understand what the afterlife was. They didn't have that joy of it. And actually, it was not very joyful because they went to Hades, right? Like the first thing that the Lord Jesus Christ did when, you know, after the crucifixion is he went to Hades to free all of these people to take them to paradise. So it wasn't the case that people at the time, even the righteous people, when they died, that they were looking forward to where they were going to go. It wasn't, it wasn't like a joyful or happy place to be. So here when Hezekiah is at the end of his life, He's not really looking forward to, you know, it's not like now we say, okay, when someone is about to die after they've lived a long life of service and, and, and righteousness that they are looking forward now to earning their crowns in heaven and, and to being with the Lord and all of that. They didn't have that. They didn't think that way. Okay. Um, <coughs> so, so here at the end of his life, he, he, he's weeping bitterly at, you know, because he knows that he's about to die. And it happened before Isaiah had gone out into the middle court that the word of the Lord came to him, saying, Return and tell Hezekiah, the leader of my people. Thus says the Lord, the God of David, your father, I have heard your prayer. I have seen your tears. Surely I will heal you. On the third day you shall go up to the house of the Lord. So Hezekiah, who's, who's supplicating God and asking God to be healed of this disease, okay, um, he, he, God hears him. And he answers the prayer, even though previously God had said that he's going to die. Right? So God told him that he's going to die. Hezekiah prayed and asked God for healing. And now God responded and he said, I will heal you. Okay? So it, kinda, it shows us how God listens to, to, to the prayer. And I will add to your days 15 years. I will deliver you and the city from the hand of the king of Assyria. And I will defend the city for my own sake and for the sake of my servant David. Then Isaiah said, Take a lump of figs. So they took and laid it on the boil, and he recovered. And Hezekiah said to Isaiah, What is the sign that the Lord will heal me, and that I shall go up to the house of the Lord the third day? Then Isaiah said, This is the sign to you from the Lord, that the Lord will do the thing which he has spoken. Shall the shadow go forward ten degrees, or go backward ten degrees? What, what shadow is he talking about? The shadow he's talking about is the, like the sundial. So like when they were measure the time with the sundial. So as the sun traversed in the sky, the shadow that landed on the sundial would move. And that's how they would tell the time. So he's saying, what sign shall I give you that really you are going to be healed? Either I will make it so that the shadow moves forward 10 degrees on the dial or it moves backwards. 10 degrees on the dial. And he gave him this option. So what did Hezekiah say? And Hezekiah answered, It is an easy thing for the shadow to go down 10 degrees. No, but let the shadow go backward 10 degrees. So he's saying, 
it's easy. I mean, easy and I don't know how you define easy. But he's saying if it's going to keep moving in the correct direction and you want to jump forward 10 degrees, it seemed to him to be easier than if it were to move backward. Because if it moves backward, that means the earth is going <laughs> to reverse rotation, right? Which, of course, is strange. So Isaiah the prophet cried out to the Lord, and he brought the shadow 10 degrees backward by which it had gone down on the sundial of Ahaz. Okay, so he, 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 made, it, he made the sun go backwards. Okay, now there are people who have tried to, from a scientific perspective, try to understand how such a thing could be. I personally see this as one of those things that, like, this, is, this isn't really something that can have a scientific explanation. Because if the we know that the reason that the sun moves in the sky is not because the sun is moving, it's because the earth is rotating. And if the earth were to stop m rotating and actually rotate backwards, like every everyone would die. Like that's just like everyone would die. So there, there's no the the, the the stopping like the earth is turning at a thousand miles an hour, and we don't feel that because we're all moving together. But if you were to stop the rotation of the earth, everyone would fly off, right? And so there wouldn't be a there you couldn't do that. Okay, so scientifically speaking, uh, you can't make this happen in a way where life continues as normal and it's like a normal day. It's just like a longer day than normal, okay? So however it is that this was accomplished, okay, which I don't know, um, definitely this is something that God did that, that defies our explanations. At that time, Berodak Beladan, the son of Beladan, king of Babylon, sent letters and a present to Hezekiah, for he heard that Hezekiah had been sick, and Hezekiah was attentive to them and showed them all the house of his treasures, the silver and gold, the spices, and precious ointment, all his armory, all that was found among his treasures. There was nothing in his house or in all his dominion that Hezekiah did not show them. Okay, so now, okay, so King Hezekiah, his life has been extended by 15 years. So it's another person that he uh, meets, the king of Babylon, okay, and the king of Babylon comes to visit Hezekiah, and Hezekiah gave him a tour, and he showed him all the treasures that they had, everything that they had. Then Isaiah the prophet went to King Hezekiah and said to him, What did these men say, and from where did they come to you? So Hezekiah said, They came from a far country, from Babylon. And he said, What have they seen in your house? So Hezekiah answered, They have seen all that is in my house. There is nothing among my treasures that I have not shown them. Then, Hezekiah, then Isaiah said to Hezekiah, Hear the word of the Lord. Behold, the days are coming when all that is in your house and what your fathers have accumulated until this day shall be carried to Babylon. Nothing shall be left, says the Lord. And he shall take away some of your sons who will descend from you, whom you will beget, and they shall be eunuchs by the palace of the king of Babylon. So Hezekiah said to Isaiah, The, Lord, the word of the Lord which you have spoken is good. For he said, There will not be peace and truth at least in my days. So, so uh, for he said, will there not be peace and truth at least in my days? So it's kind of a strange conversation. <laughs> okay, so Hezekiah, so the, the Babylonians are coming to scope out Israel, not because they are friendly, but because they want to know what treasures that they have so that they can eventually conquer them. Hezekiah, maybe being naive, is like showing them everything that they have and like very friendly and showing them everything. So when Isaiah uh, asks Hezekiah after this, you know, what what did you show them? Hezekiah said, I showed them everything. So now Isaiah is prophesying. And what is he prophesying about? The captivity of the south. So just as the north had its captivity by the Assyrians in 722 BC that led to the captivity of 10 of the tribes of Israel and they never returned, 
So eventually there will also be a captivity of the south, like they were spared the captivity of the Assyrians, they were spared destruction by the Assyrians, um, but they will eventually not be spared the captivity by the Babylonians, which will happen in 586 BC. Okay, so, so this is a prophecy of Isaiah to Hezekiah, saying eventually <coughs> the Babylonians are going to do what? The days are coming when all that is in your house and what your fathers have accumulated until this day shall be carried to Babylon. Nothing shall be left. This is the this is the exile to Babylon. And they shall take away some of your sons who will descend from you, who will we get, so they're going to take all the people. Okay. The interesting thing is that when Hezekiah heard all of this, he said, the word of the Lord which you have spoken is good. Why is it good? Because it's not going to happen with me. It's not going to happen when I'm alive. Okay, it's going to happen later. <laughs> That's... Uh, <laughs> That's what he said. Now the rest of the acts of Hezekiah, all his might, and how he made a pool and a tunnel and brought water into the city, are they not written in the book of the Chronicles of the kings of Judah? So Hezekiah rested with his fathers. Then Manasseh, his son, reigned in his place. And that is the end uh, today. We finished a little early today. Um, does anyone have any questions about any of these two chapters that we've studied? In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. We thank you, O Lord, for this day. We ask for your blessing. We ask, O Lord, that you grant us the faith and the courage of Hezekiah to come to you, O Lord, and to place before you every trouble and every problem that we have, believing in strong faith that you hear us, and that we ask you to incline your ear to us and to hear our prayers, our supplications, even the things that we, O Lord, do not even know how to utter with words, but the desires of our heart, the thing, O Lord, that you know that, you, that we need. We ask, O Lord, to take care of it and to grant us your peace and to give us faith and patience and wisdom as we wait for your deliverance. Through the prayers of St. Mary, Archangel Michael, St. Paul, St. Mark, and all your saints, hear us as we pray. Thankfully, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. In Christ Jesus, our Lord, for thine is the kingdom power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. The love of God the Father, the grace of the only begotten Son, our Lord God and Savior Jesus Christ, the communion and the gift of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Go in peace. The peace of the Lord be with you all. Amen.